Tonight at, at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue in and, and finish up our alphabet theory. Um, tonight's letter is Z, uh, which stands for zeal. Now, typically, we think of someone that's zealous as something that is attributed to something religious. But we all have zeal. I believe that it's this spiritual thing that's built into each and every one of us. And it, apart from Jesus, that same spiritual void begins to, to take form and we run in the, the wrong directions. That every one of us in here has been zealous for something. You know, some of us have been zealous for, you know, drugs and alcohol. Some of us have been zealous for a relationship. You know, we've been horny or a dog in heat, we would say. We've had zeal for sports teams, that I'm a fan or I'm a fanatic, that, you know, I have to check all the stats and I have to, to look at what's going on and I have to watch every game. And if I don't watch every game, then I am upset. That we've had zeal for marijuana. That if we don't smoke, then I'm depressed or I'm angry. We've had zeal in all these different ways. That we've had zeal to make money. And that when, you know, we don't have money, we feel depressed or insecure. You know, zeal takes form in many different ways. But it's not until we give that tenacity that's on the inside of each and every one of us to the Lord, that things begin to shift in our lives. You know, I would say, it, you know, now that I look back at things, you know, I was zealous for a, a life of crime. You know, I've been zealous for different women in my life. That with this woman in my life, then I could have peace. And, you know, but there was always chaos. I believe that I've had zeal on some level for AA. You know, I win every day. I went multiple times a day. I, I, I read the big book. You know, I had a big book study in my house. I had sponsees. And can I tell you that there's nothing wrong with having some of these things in our life. There's nothing wrong with wanting knowledge. But the Bible tells us that zeal without wisdom is foolishness. Now, I don't know about you, but my zeal led to foolishness for the majority of my life. That that tenacity that's on the inside of us, that when we give it to the wrong thing, we get handcuffed to the wrong thing. It takes us out of control. And we can even attach it to good things and still miss the mark. You know, many of us have had relationships, but in the end, it's destroyed us. Many of us have had jobs or careers, but it wasn't satisfying the spiritual need that's inside of each and every one of us. You know, many of us love sports. I honestly don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
but it has to be in the right place. What's the priority? You know, that my sports team, if they win the Super Bowl or not, when it comes to March, it absolutely does not matter anymore, and we aren't thinking about football. We're on to basketball and possibly hockey. Depends on what your flavor is. So, you know, we could watch a different team all throughout the year, and we can go up and down. Depends on how our sports teams are doing. You know, and we our sports team wins, we're in a good mood. Our sports team loses, we're in a bad mood. If I got money, I'm okay. If I don't have money, I'm not okay. If I'm in a relationship, I'm okay. If I don't have a relationship, I'm not okay. Because we're putting this zeal in the hands of something that it doesn't belong, necessarily. Now, the Christian worldview has changed my life. You know, I I believe that there's different worldviews in each one of us. If we were to really sit down and have discussions, there would be a variety of different things that we believe to be true. But it's not until I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior that I started taking steps down this road of understanding God. Now, I do believe that I was trying to understand God before I got to Jesus, but I was very misguided. I researched different things. I went down paths. And I started to have this zeal that started to to resonate on the inside of me, realizing that, that God is the only thing that can set me free from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Now, when I arrived in Utica in 2002, I was an atheist, and I was a belligerent atheist. And I would go to meetings, and people would talk about spirituality, and talk about spiritual things, and talk about prayer. And I was quick to share and how people were stupid, and that's nonsense, and you're retarded, and this is dumb, and why would you believe this stuff? Because my mouth was real zealous, but I was still a fool. But because of that zeal that's in me, I was zealous for sin. Now, see, I believe that drug and alcohol aren't my problem. I have a sin nature. And it doesn't matter what you put in front of me, it's never enough. You know, I have never had enough drugs or alcohol or sex or money or food. Fill in the blank. I always want more. I'm always thinking about the next one. So, and why I said that I'm coming from you from this Christian worldview is that I have this empty hole on the inside of me that desperately wants to be filled. And I'll fill it with anything. Now, I don't think that I have a disease. I think that I have sin, which will destroy me. Now, it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. I, I, I absolutely believe that the enemy comes in and twists things. But for me, if what I have is a, a disease... It's the only disease that has a spiritual solution. 
Now, I believe that it has very thi- uh, a lot of things that contribute, that, that align, that uh, you, know, you can medically look at it. So from a medical worldview, we attack this thing with knowledge. But the last I knew, if we were to hit the streets tonight and talk to all the people that are running the streets and ask them if drugs were bad for them, they would say, yeah, most of them. And most of them would be like, yeah, but I don't care. I'm going to smoke till I die. That when we put our eyes on sin as the solution to the pain and the emptiness that's on the inside of us, no amount of sin is ever enough. That we take that, that same emptiness, that same passion, that same zeal, and we give it to the only thing that can sustain us. We give it to Jesus and we say, I'm going to focus on you and I'm going to allow you to change the way I think and the way I live. Now many years ago, I believe that God was the solution, but I hadn't gotten to Jesus yet. So I thought that it was okay to to do a lot of different things that today I would call sin. And in my sin, I found myself very depressed, very broken, very anxious all the time, even though I had over a year's sobriety. Because there was this element on the inside of me that wasn't being fixed. And when I got to this place in my life where I couldn't handle the pain anymore, I went back into my addiction, and we would call that a relapse. See, I don't believe that that was a relapse necessarily for me, because I'd never really recovered from the state of mind and body that believed that drugs and alcohol was not my solution. And in my sobriety, as long as I was trying to go forward and and be sober, there was always this thing in the back of my head that says drugs and alcohol will fix my problem. See, I don't believe today that if I was to relapse or if any of us in here was to go out and use that we're not trying to go have a good time we probably would know that what we're about to grab a hold of is about to destroy us. But because we're so sick and tired of being in pain, whether it be physically or mentally, that we're willing to take the chance of grabbing a hold of something else that we know that will probably destroy us, but we see that as a solution to what's really going on inside of us. So that I have zeal for God, I just find my God in bottles and bags. I find my God in a paycheck. I find my God in a relationship. I find my God in a cupcake. I find my God in Netflix. I find my God fill in the blank. Because as long as I can get in front of Netflix and tune out, then the rest of the world goes away. As long as I have a pizza, that I'll be okay. As long as I got a couple of dollars in my pocket, I'll be okay. 
As long as I have a relationship, I'll be okay. As long as, fill in the blank, if I have this thing, I'll be okay. But typically, even when we have those things, we're still not okay. Because I'll have one thing and then I need the next thing. And then I'll have two things and I need the third thing. And then I have three things and I need the fourth and the fifth thing. Nothing is ever able to sustain me. That I'm always on to more. And some of those things are not bad things, but I'm giving them too much power in the ability to change me or heal me or satisfy me. There's nothing wrong with a job. There's nothing wrong with money in your pocket. There's nothing wrong with a healthy relationship. There's nothing wrong with some of these things. But when I think that it's going to fix me, I'm giving it too much power. And when it doesn't work, I get frustrated and I want to run away from life. Now, I'm a runner. I've been running since I was a little kid. I've been running from all the pain that I went through. I've been running from getting molested as a kid. I've been running from getting abused as a kid. I've been running from all the physical and mental abuse. I've been running from my rejection. I've been running from my abandonment. I've been running, I've been running, I've been running. But I've always been running in the wrong direction. If you were to ask me today, as I look back at my teenage self, that as long as I was playing sports, I was okay. I had to be on the basketball court. I had to be playing football. I had to be playing baseball. I had to be doing something. As long as I was doing something, I wasn't in here. I wasn't in my head. And that's when we can become workaholics. We can get addicted to the gym. And we take something that is here to help us to grow in life, And we make it an absolute thing, and it will fail us absolutely 100% of the time. And so often, our zeal is put in the wrong places, and we give it all our effort. And when it doesn't change the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, what's going on inside of us, there isn't a solution when we've been running in this direction We get tired of running in this direction because of all the work that we're putting into it, and we give up. It's typically why diets don't work. Is that I'm going to deny myself all these pleasurable things, and I'm going to eat rabbit food, and I'm going to look amazing. But then we don't add exercise to the gym or a proper diet. We don't add elements to bring in the nutrients. And we get overwhelmed and sluggish because we're not getting satisfied. And we're like, that pizza looks amazing. I'm just going to have 47 slices. I'll just diet tomorrow. Right? And we try to do the right thing. Many of us have tried to do the right thing a lot. But at some place... We're still left unsatisfied. I had 16 months sober and I relapsed. And I went back out just as hard as I've ever been. Running and gunning. 
and people came to my house and tried to 12-step me, but I still had money in my pocket, and I wasn't about to get sober. And normally we, we get sober in a couple of ways. Either the cops show up, and they put on those awesome little silver bracelets, or we run out of money. And it, I decided that the running out of money was enough this time, that I didn't really think that I needed the silver bracelets to get me sober. So I decided to go to detox. I went to detox, I get out of detox, and you go back to meetings, because that's what you do. That's our solution to the problem. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to meetings. I still go to meetings today. But going to a meeting isn't going to fix the problem. You know, even the literature tells us God could and would if he were sought. But what's sought mean? Now, it's a word that we're not really familiar with. It means seek. Look, find. For us addicts out here, if we don't have what we want, and the guy that we would normally turn to or the girl that we would normally turn to to get our supply doesn't have, we will salt the streets to get what we want. Right? We will go wherever we got to go. We will walk through the snow. We will brave the elements. We will walk if we have to. We will steal a car if we have to. But we will get what we desire because there's this zeal on the inside of me that says if I can get this thing, I will feel better. And so often, even on the way to go get this thing, we instantly start to feel better. We have it in our hand. It's not even in our bodies yet. And we instantly, the anxiety begins to be relieved, like, (sighs) and then all of a sudden we ingest this substance, and everything disappears. And that has been our God for far too long. Because at some point, we come back out of reality and we have to repeat the cycle. And we've done whatever it's taken. We've sought out sin. We've sought out drugs. We've sought out pain. We've sought out misery. We've sought out money. We've sought out relationships. Trying to fix what's going on spiritually inside of each and every one of us. And at some place in our life, we get tired. For me, I got tired. And I've been doing this a while now. And I've seen people with the craziest circumstances in their life, like everything is going against them. Like they're going to go upstate for years. They're going to about to lose their kids. Their mama's mad at them. You name it. I've seen people with their livers about to shut down, where the doctor says, if you drink again, you're going to die. And they drink again and they die. Why? Because I don't want to deal with what's going on inside of me. I just want to escape. So the repercussions of our decisions have never really stopped us. Because we can even be locked in cells and still continue to get high. Because it's never enough. Because until we're tired of chasing something that we can never truly grasp, we're going to continue to chase it. See, I came to this 
this moment in time. I was hiring a kite. I'd been up for days. And I began to have this argument with myself. That I, I need to get sober. You don't really have a problem. I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I got a problem. You ever have one of these types of arguments? Like, I need to get sober. Like, no, nah, that sucks. And in the midst of this conversation, something happened that has never happened in all my years of in and out. That I made this decision that I was going to do whatever it took to get sober. And without realizing it, in that moment, I took my zeal and I shifted it from drugs and alcohol to this empty void of sobriety. Not knowing what was going to happen. But I was so tired of chasing something zealously that I knew never satisfied me. And I bent over a couple of times and it sucks, but it was better, if that makes sense. And many of us in here have been sober, have been free, and have returned back to this life. And it's hard to get back out again. It's almost harder the next time, and it's harder the next time, and it's harder the next time. And I don't think that anybody can make that decision for us. That it's this inner decision that we have to, to personally make that says, I'm done. And see, that trumps our addiction. Now, I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm not giving you this false sense of security that everything, making this one decision, and I'm done, all of a sudden, it all gets easy. Because running the streets wasn't easy. Chasing our addictions wasn't easy. But we were willing to do whatever it took to chase that thing. Now, what I'm saying is make this zealous decision to shift it and say, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes. Because for me, I've had people piss me off in the bar and that never stopped me from going to the bar. I've had people rip me off on the street and it never stopped me from hitting those streets again. I've had dealers sell me false stuff and it didn't stop me from going to the dealers. But how come the first time someone upsets me in an AA meeting, I stop going? How come the first time someone says something super religious that I don't agree with, I throw the whole thing out? The first time I run into somebody in my sobriety that I don't like, I can't do this. Because I have yet to shift my zeal. I'm only just trying to get sober. Have we ever tried to get high or drunk? No. I've always succeeded. If I want sin, there is nothing that's going to stop me. You can put a billion passcodes on that computer, and you can lock it in Fort Knox, and if I want to look up porn, I'm going to do it. I will steal someone else's computer. Problem solved. I will do whatever it takes to satisfy this thing on the inside of me that wants to be fed. But what I don't, haven't yet quite realized is that the things that I'm trying to feed it with 
can never satisfy it. And the only thing that can satisfy this spiritual void that's on the inside of me is the one who made me. And that Jesus Christ comes in and fills that void that's on each inside of each and every one of us. Now I remember coming off of that relapse and going back to that meeting and there was this young woman and she's like, my church is doing this recovery group. You should come. I'm like, it can't hurt me. I was literally in a crack house a couple of days ago. And you're kind of cute. I'll go wherever you want to take me. And I showed up in church. Didn't want Jesus. Didn't want to become a Christian. But I was desperate for change. And I sat in that meeting... And it was a 12-step recovery meeting. It was called Celebrate Recovery. Some of you are familiar with it. Some of you are hearing about it for the first time. I'd never heard about it ever before that day. And I sat there and heard this message of Jesus Christ for the first time, even though I got dragged to church as a kid. That he's this loving God that wants to come into my life and heal my wounds. That he wants to build a relationship with me. That no matter what I've done wrong, that he will forgive me if I just ask him. And I sat there and I was blown away by the realization that I need this thing on the inside of me that I didn't realize that I know that I needed. I'm not up here trying to tell you that you need to go to church, although it won't hurt you. I am telling you about a living God named Jesus Christ that wants to come into your life and begin to to change what you're focused on. And I went to that meeting a few weeks and I, I started to realize that I needed to get a little bit more serious about this God stuff. And I went to church for the very first time on my own without someone trying to manipulate me and I wasn't doing it for my mom and I wasn't doing it for a girl. And that day I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And it wasn't about going to heaven and it wasn't about going to hell because I could care less at that point. But as they said, does anybody want to accept Jesus Christ as their personal and Savior come to the front of the church? And without even realizing, I was up out of my chair and I was walking to the front of the church that day. And I turned to the corner and I looked back at all the people that were looking at me and I'm like, what are you doing? And I walked forward to the pastor and he's like, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I step back from him, like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm about to become one of them religious freaks. And he could see that I was perplexed. And he's like, well, why did you come up here? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. And why are you here? Many of them aren't, aren't quite sure. We are tired of the way your life has been going. And he began to tell me some of the things I've been telling you. He, he said that if I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, that he would come into my heart and he would heal my wounds and he would fill me to overflowing. And when he said that, this thing clicked in my head because I always felt that I was this black hole. That I was so bad that if I got around you, your life would begin to suck. 
that I was this virus, that I was so cursed, that I was so bad that if I got around good people, then bad things would begin to happen to them too. And he's telling me that if I accepted Jesus into this black hole that I have, that he would fill it. And like I said earlier, I I didn't accept Jesus that day because I was trying to get to heaven. I accepted Jesus because I wanted the pain to stop. In all my years of in and out, in all my years of trying to figure out this spiritual solution, in all my years of trying to get sober, it wasn't working. Because I was still trying to do it my way. As much as I would try to go to meetings and take suggestions, I'd only take the suggestions that I agreed with. So on some level, I would block myself from growing. I accepted Jesus that day and I went home and literally nothing was different. Some of us believe in Jesus, some of us may not. Some of us may have sent us in his prayer, some of us may have not. But I think the desperate cry of someone that really wants to change, it doesn't happen with one prayer, it happens with a thousand. Because how many times have I called the dope man? Once? I call the dealer once? They're like, hey, can you show up? Yeah, I'll be right there. Three hours later, I'm like, oh, he's going to come someday. No, there was this desperation on the inside of me, calling him and calling him and calling him, like, where are you at? He's not picking up his phone. They're like, this guy's a lunatic. So I'm calling his friend. I'm calling somebody else. I'm hitting the streets. I'm doing whatever it takes to get what I want. There's this desperation on the inside of me. But yet we say one prayer or two prayers and we're done. That zeal has to shift. Jesus, take my addiction away. I didn't mean that. Like, will you take the pain and the consequences away but still let me get high? Can I make some sort of bargain with you? I'll behave, maybe. Can you put me on an island full of drugs and women and money and I'll just do whatever I want in Jesus' name? Does that work? See, we try to manipulate God to get our own will accomplished. And we take a couple steps in His direction, but when it doesn't suit our our will or what I want, we give up on it and we're right back to doing it our way again. I've watched... Christians, year in, year out, take a couple steps and then right back. Because sin is instant. God wants to work this thing out in us and change us forever. Now, I started going to church, but I was just trying to use Jesus to get sober. So, Jesus, will you help me get sober? But I'm still going to do a bunch of other stuff that I don't think you care about because I don't want you to care about it. Because if you care about it, it means i got to stop doing it. You know, we've been zealous for things. We've been zealous for recovery, but zealous for other things too. 
Now for me, I've tried to follow Jesus, but my sin nature took me back out. And what I've come to realize is that I'm never going to be perfect. Never. I'm going to sin every day. But you know what? That shows me I need Jesus every day. It's not a a Sunday requirement. Because I've sinned every day. Why do I think that church one hour on a Sunday is going to satisfy my spiritual need of emptiness? Why do I think a meeting an hour a day is going to be enough to, to combat the craziness that goes on between my ears? So even if I add seven meetings and, and a, an hour at church and I spend eight hours, let's even double that, 16 hours of trying to grow in my recovery and my spirituality, does that even come close to the amount of hours that I ran the streets in every given week? Does it even, even come close to the amount of tenacity that I would put to my addiction that I would put to getting laid, that I would put to get whatever, fill in the blank, does it even come close to the amount of hours that I would spend chasing something that's destroying me? So I give it a little bit of time and a little bit of effort and I expect this whole thing to begin to shift. It has to be a complete shift. And it's not going to be perfect at first. It's a realization that everything needs to shift. It's the start. And I'm going to take a couple steps, and I'm going to fall, and I'm going to say, well, what am I doing? And I'm going to want to, no, I can't go that way. i got to keep following Jesus. There is not one Christian that has had this perfect life. And I really, really struggle with the ones that try to come off that way. <clears throat> Probably more than you do. Because I hate the way it makes Jesus look and I hate the way that it makes Christianity look because it's not about faking it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, brother. I just want to smack some of those people. I'll be honest with you. Because this is the hardest thing that we will ever do in this life is get sober and get right with the Lord. Every day we were going to want to run away from it. But we have to come to this understanding that if I go this direction again, I'm going to find exactly what I found last time. Pain and destruction. I am 100% guaranteed that I destroy everything that I touch if I do it my way. Even today. That if I begin to try to orchestrate Tom's will and start to manipulate my scenario to get what I want accomplished, all hell is about to break loose. And Jesus tells me that I have to deny myself on a daily basis and follow Him. It's not like, go to church once a week, you'll be good. No, it's every day I need to connect to Him. Just the same way as I used to connect to my addiction every day. The second I wake up, we got a run and gun, let's do this. If I don't have it in the house... I'm gonna, and if I don't have the money, game on. I will find a way. And I have to take that same tenacity, that same zeal, and say, Jesus, I need you because I'm about to do something stupid. And I need to get honest with some people around me 
and say, you know what, I'm trying to do this, but I'm about to do something stupid. And I have to allow them to help me to take the next step sometimes. And a lot of times, those people that are trying to love on me and that are telling me things that I don't want to hear are going to piss us off. (laughs) Because I want what I want. I want to do what I want to do. But yet I want Jesus too. And we have to make our own decision that says, I'm going to chase Jesus with that same tenacity that I used to chase sin. Because it goes beyond drugs and alcohol and sex and and money and this and that. It goes beyond that. My identity is raveled in all of this craziness. That a lot of it, we're addicted to the street. We're addicted to the club. We're addicted to the bar. We're addicted to the scene. We're addicted to the lifestyle. So you take all that away, here we are in sobriety and we have no idea who we are anymore. And it's learning that my identity comes in Christ, but it's this process that I have to release my old self and begin to realize that I have to go in this new direction. And it's scary. You mean I gotta be one of them Christian freaks? Like one of them born agains? Like one of them weird people? No, you be you. But you realize that you need Jesus. And let Jesus figure out how that fits. Now I don't know what every pastor looks like in this country or this world. But until I came to Utica and they decided to make me a pastor, there wasn't one that looked like me in this place. (laughs) I love Harley Davidson's. I love snowmobiles. I love tattoos. I love shooting people with paintball. But that's not my identity. My identity is in Christ. That's stuff I do. Where before the stuff I do was my identity. And at some point, if Jesus says, stop doing that and give that to me, I will fight with him and lose, but I will fight with him because I'm giving up stuff that I love. That sometimes I'm like, that's not such a big deal, Jesus. And he's like, yeah, but I want to see if you really want me over that. Do you trust me in this? Are you willing to stay out of relationships until you get better? Uh, Does that mean not getting laid? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Because I was zealous for sex. I would say that I was a sexual addict. It's the heater. It's not. (laughs) It's Cornhill. You know, and what someone told me once upon a time, and I'll share this with you, is that your next level of freedom is on the other side of the suggestion that you won't take. And I'll just release that to you because that's on you. You know what that is. You know what someone has said, you should probably do that or you should not do that. And you're like, Anna. And then dive bombed all over again. Boom. 
Because step three tells us that we have to turn our will over. But a lot of times we only turn our will over if we agree with it. But that's not really turning it over. That's just playing nice. And when I disagree with God, then I'll just do what I want anyway. So am I really zealous for God? Am I really zealous for recovery? Am I really zealous for change? Or am I just kind of doing it as long as I agree with it? Because my sin nature is never going to completely agree with God. There is a war going on. That I have to die to my selfish desires and say, Jesus, I want you. Daily. It could be one time. Most likely it will be more. It could be 20, 100 times today that you have to decide, I'm not going to walk out. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to sit still. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to actually pick up my, my Bible. I'm going to turn off Netflix. I'm going to not eat that cupcake. I'm not going to go to get Chinese. I'm going to, I'm going to, and sometimes we think that some of these decisions are so little. But as they teach us, that relapse starts long before we ever pick up. So I don't feel like I need to go to a meeting today. You know, I don't feel I need to read my daily devotionals. You know, I don't need to call my sponsor. I don't, it starts there. That I start taking my will back and all of a sudden, woo, sobriety, woo, God. It slowly begins to shift. And then we relapse. How did this happen? It happened weeks ago. Because I didn't realize that the need to deal with myself on a daily basis And that's why I say that drugs and alcohol aren't my problem. The problem is this spiritual void on the inside of me, the spiritual bankruptcy. That if I was financially bankrupt, I'd be trying to get that paper. Follow me? That same tenacity that I would try to put money in my pocket, that I need to be putting spiritual deposits in my life through prayer and reading and service and denying myself and connecting with another person and growing spiritually, repeat, 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 just as we go to work every day. I can't expect an hour on a Sunday or an hour at 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock at night to be enough to get me through. Now, it might be just enough, but who likes being poor? I don't want to be poor in spirit either. I want to be satisfied, but I'm always looking to the wrong things to satisfy me. I absolutely believe that this is the hardest thing that any person will ever have to do. Is deal with the craziness between their heads as they're trying to get sober. As they're trying to get free from whatever sin has a hold of them. Especially when they're trying to do it without Jesus. It's insidious. It's torturous. But when I laid my life before Jesus and said, I'm done doing it my way. The way I prayed was different. Jesus, take this depression away. Jesus, take this anxiety away. Jesus, change my mind. Jesus, take this addiction away. Jesus, help me to stay away from the wrong people. Jesus, help me to stay celibate. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thousand times, just as many times as I would call the dope man. I'm talking to Jesus on a regular basis because he has what I want. Because there's nobody on this street that can fill this void on the inside of me. 
And I started to recognize that for myself. And you have to recognize it for yourself. You can't go by me. You have to come to terms with, am I doing what is necessary to change every aspect of my life? Or am I still just going through the motions, waiting for the wrong hiccup so I have an excuse to run out the door again? Because I've done that. Some of you have done that. Like, I'll try this as long as it works for me. But the second somebody tells me, no, peace, I'm out. But when someone told me no on the street, I just went to the next, and to the next, and to the next, and to the next. Because I had the zeal on the inside of me that was going to get satisfied with what I thought was going to satisfy me. What I'm here telling you today is the only thing that can satisfy this thing that's going on inside of us is Jesus Christ. That He is the only thing. So often we're looking for outside solutions to an inside problem. But until we allow Jesus in, that He begins to fix us from the inside out. If you would have told me over a decade ago that this is what I'd be doing in my life, I'd fight you. But I knew that I didn't want to run the streets anymore. I knew I didn't want to be living that lifestyle anymore. And I said, Jesus, I don't know where I'm going. And it didn't start with like, I want to be a pastor. I didn't want to be. But Jesus changed me so radically that I wanted to help other people realize that Jesus was the solution to the thing that we've been trying to fix our own way for decades. And it hadn't worked. So I don't come up here with some religious song and dance saying, go to church, you'll be good. No, I'm telling you, you need Jesus. And it's through a relationship with Jesus, things begin to change, and church is just something that we do. Just like going to the bar, in a sense. If that makes sense. That that's where we go to fellowship. Just like we used to go out on Friday night to get laid. We're just getting something different. But each one of us has to come to this place that realizes that the zealousness on the inside of me has to get shifted because I've been putting it in the wrong place for far too long and I have to learn how to give it to Jesus and I'm going to make a million mistakes on the way but I realize that that's the destination. I need to grow spiritually and Jesus is the only solution. Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Lord, I thank you for every man and woman that's here tonight, Lord, everyone that's hearing about you. Lord, we all need you. That we've been zealous for various things in our lives, Lord, and some things that haven't been that that bad, but other things have literally destroyed us and our families. So, Lord, I just ask that you would begin to move powerfully in the hearts and the minds of each individual in this place, Lord, and help us to turn ourselves over to you and realize that I need you in my life. And I need to to learn how to build that relationship and figure these things out, just as I used to learn how to do things in this life that destroyed me. It took years to develop the skill set that I have to sin. Lord, help me to grow spiritually and realize that you are helping me to overcome everything that I've ever gone through. 
that it's more than just getting sober. It's more than just some of the small things, some of the big things. Lord, it's an entirety of turning our lives over to you, realizing that this need for Jesus has fueled us in the wrong direction our whole life because we didn't realize that you were the solution. Lord, help us to realize that it's not about being religious. It's not about obeying the rules. It's about developing a relationship with you and allowing you to take us to new places that you heal us from the deepest of wounds and the craziest of mindset that you give us a peace beyond all understanding. So, Lord, I just ask that you would move in our hearts and our minds tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.